After Buzzers. Welcome to an all new Twin Peaks After Show here at After Buzz TV. Tonight we're going to be breaking down season three, episode 13. And we are actually having some technical electricity issues. So we're right, we're right with you guys, you know? It's a lot of fun. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hey everyone, welcome to the Twin Peaks After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. I'm your host, Sam Davidson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SamD43. I love this song so much. Lex, where can they find you? I am Lex Michael. I'm all over social media at the Lex Michael. You guys, James has always been cool. I know, right? He's always been fucking cool. I'm Michael Shirley. Excited to see you guys tonight. Sorry it took us second to get up here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. James has always been cool, and I would still bang James. I'm Lisa <laughs> Mason Lee. You can find Whoa. me everywhere at Lisa Mason Lee. Hashtag I would huh. still bang James. Alright, let's make it happen. Bang, bang, bar. <laughs> we don't have a bang, lot of time tonight, uh, but we have so much to talk about. First, let's talk about this Dougie Dale, you know, he's back. Well, Dirty Dale's back, but first we see Dale Dougie with the candy girls. That's what I'm calling them. This so, wonderful girls. This but this wonderful party line where he comes yes. in with the girls yeah, and with the like Mitchum brothers. brothers. Yeah. The conga. Again, I, I go, are they Arn Sparkle? Like the, <laughs> Maybe. that that is my in all caps notes for that scene. That's the most into anything I think we've seen Dougie. Well, and yeah. the other thing, too, well, that I think coffee, is but. is interesting is it seems like this scene more or less picks up from where we left them. Now, obviously, they had enough time to go get gifts for Bushnell Mullins, so maybe while they were doing that is when Dougie went home to have that game of catch with Sonny Jim. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't know how you guys read it, because that's one possibility, and another possibility is we got that sequence a little bit out of time Oh God, can we not talk week. about the timeline? Right, but I'm can going like, oh, it? maybe it was just like a quick check-in, like, yes, Dougie's still out there, but he was doing stuff with the Mitchums, or maybe they dropped him off at home while they went and bought uh, Battling Bud a car. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but all we know, though, is that, uh, you know, the little boy, Sonny Jim, has a beautiful new high-tech uh, place to play. A... I love that scene. Oh, my God. It's like a little circus in the backyard. Yeah, I loved that scene. The visuals on that were just so kind of, like, creepy and, like, also kind of, like, adorable at the same time. <laughs> and I got, like, like, major Harmony Corinne, like, gummo vibes from Yes, mm -hmm. and he's like, got the light-up. Jungle gym, obviously the, the gym set, and he's got a trampoline that he can bounce onto, and he keeps making a big circle like an electric current. But we've got this piece of music, oh, like a and it golden took, ball, like a golden. And ball. his name is also Sunny Jim, guys. Jim. But it, it took me a round. second to place the music, which is a piece from Swan Lake, and it I had to work backwards to Swan Lake because the flag that went up in my head is, oh, it's this piece of score that opens Todd Browning's Dracula, the original from 31 with Bill Lugosi. <laughs> Only Lex would know these but things. It's a, it's a piece from Swan Lake. So, uh, guys in the chat, what what? give me the direct connection to the plot of Swan Lake, which uh, I will profess uh, not to remember off the top of my head in this particular moment, but I feel like that piece was chosen Lex, on what purpose. a disappointment. I know, no, I'm the worst. You? I will go home right now pleasing probably at least one person. Lisa, there's a really interesting uh, comment in the chat I think you should read by oh, Anne which Marie. One? By Anne Marie about Candy. Anne, uh, do you see? Oh, yes. Candy has a passed through a plug look about her. 
It sounds crazy, but it kind of, for me, makes sense that they have just been through so many, whatever it is, portals, electricity things that they're fried. Bags of drugs. Yes. Well, you know, (laughs) I'm not sure. If it's drugs, if it's both, or just... I I think they're on, like, a a regimen by a doctor. I don't know. Are they just the epitome of ditzy girls with some money from the Mitchum brothers? Okay, I'm going to be real sometimes about David Lynch. I love him dearly, but specifically this show, it doesn't give a lot of love to the female characters, and it makes them one-dimensional, which makes me also think there is another meaning what he's doing to the female characters. Are you calling David Lynch a chauvinist? No, I'm not. I think that he's pretending to be a chauvinist, but he's actually (laughs) making them at the end have a way bigger purpose in all of this, but right now they all seem pretty stupid. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of hard to think of a female character on this show that is a strong woman. Other than Janie E. But even still, she's... No, she's the strongest, I think. But I I don't know. But they're like complaining, dumb, bitchy. Lex looks like he's just vomiting his head. I think that there is an argument to be made, but I think... Think to really have that conversation, I think it's nowhere near that simple. I think it's a lot more nuanced than that, and I feel like there's no way we're going to have time to break down this episode if we devote enough of the time we have to having uh, this bigger like conversation. Right, right, right. Well, on. Another time, okay. Because there really, there really is, I actually think, a really interesting uh, critical analysis through that prism of David Lynch's entire body of work. I think that would be a really With interesting women? conversation to have at some point. I feel like we could make the enti- the rest of the time we have left tonight about that topic and nothing else and still not cover all okay, of it. Okay, okay. I will say in person though David Lynch is really nice and loves women. I, I think so... he does. I'm not saying he doesn't, but this portrayal thus far I'm a little confused. Okay, let's get into the Dirty Dale with Ray and this arm wrestling situation. Great <laughs> Fantastic scene. Yeah. He shows that we finally see what the farm is, and apparently it's this warehouse, which is a a gang headquarters of sorts. And they're they're (laughs) captained by Derek Mears, who, uh, big body of work, but also played Jason in, I believe, the reboot of Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's the big dude, and he's the big dude because no one can beat him at arm wrestling. And, and I, okay, did anyone else get a, and I was like, he's gonna rip off his arm. This is where the one-armed man, man came from. I mean, I thought that literally it was just he was gonna rip off his arm. No, she and then... thought the one-armed man was gonna come from the future. No, well, wow. I don't know. It was like, it's I happening again. Know. Okay, right, make fun right, of me right. all you want. It's, it's fine. Uh, okay. That was quite the point. I've given her so much crap about aliens. I'm just like, I know, every she time is. I. Oh, she, oh, yes, queen. Fun. He is. <laughs> no, he is completely giving me a lot of crap about all of the aliens. Uh, but during this scene, so we see them doing the arm wrestling, and there's people watching on a screen. Richard Horn is front and center watching them fight. And we see, obviously, yeah, that Richard Horn, who's been on the run, is hiding out at the farm, which makes sense. And we get this moment, and I think it's there for you to read into Daddy? the way you want to read into Daddy? it. But yeah, given, of course, the most popular theory about Richard's parentage, it's very easy to project onto the face he's making this this recognition. But we got to talk about the arm wrestling in particular a little bit because Mr. C, as we've seen, is possessed of far above average strength Mm -hmm. and reflexes. And watching him just play with this guy was deeply unsettling, but also, I thought, deeply satisfying. Because at no point was Mr. C not playing with him. Just letting him take him all the way down to the table. I'll take you back up. Uh, down a little bit further, back to starting position. It's much more comfortable. 
I feel like that's what my older brothers used to do with me. And oh, they're yeah. like, hey, Sam, you can win. Just kidding. Show me they punch you in the face like that in the end? I, no. <laughs> I, I hope not, unless I don't remember You're it. You're such but, a girl, Sam. But I think that was a very cool moment, especially for us as audience members, to see that Mr. C, actually, like, he has superhuman powers. Yeah, did you it's think that he that. was going to be, like, super strong or have any abilities to him? At no point did I think that if they actually arm wrestled, Mr. C would lose. Okay. It was a question, to me, it was a question of degrees. It was not, is Mr. C going to win this arm wrestling match? It's going to be, how severely will this other guy be beaten? <laughs> And, okay, this guy, Nate, says he was sent to kill uh, Mr. C by Philip Jeffries. A Philip Jeffries reference. Once again, I don't know who put that on the board. Me. Was, yeah, it was Oh, you. wrote Phil Jeffries with a heart. With the more, the and more like you know. And, like, a shooting star. star underneath it. So. Yeah, so the, and the deal was if he wins the arm wrestling competition, then they're going to give him Ray, who's the person he's been pursuing. So, yes. of course, he wins, and we see by how many degrees he does win uh, many just straight... I guess kills the dude by punching him right in the face. Yeah, I, I was kind of wondering if that guy was going to pop back up. I think he's super dead <laughs> he's now. Smashed. I think he's pretty smashed. deceased now. I think he's, he's rough. yes. Uh, and so they hand over Ray, and yeah, Ray says Philip Jeffries was the guy who ordered the hit on you, but he's never met Philip, only heard his voice on the phone, and he's got the ring. He's got the owl ring. Yes, and it dissolves. As he dies. And ends up back in, in the red room. On that same table, mm-hmm. the Formica table from Fire Walk with me. I also uh, of course Mr. C is like, where did you where did you get that? He knows exactly what the ring is. And Ray says, somebody handed it to me at the prison right before I was let out of my cell. It's like I, it was a guard. Maybe it wasn't a guard, it was somebody dressed as a guard. So now I'm wondering, and I'm sure that if we go back and watch it, it maybe we'd see a handoff being made in the deep background, but I imagine the face of whoever it is would be completely obscured if that moment even occurs on camera. So I wonder who that might have been. Yeah, you guys, thoughts, guys? I, well, first of all, I have a very unrealistic uh, fantasy of all of us going to actual Twin Peaks and uh, doing a remarathon of this entire thing and just loving it. I think that would be so fun. Let's get a Whose cabin. Let's do it. At? It's a cabin. It's a cabin. We'll go okay. to an actual cabin. So I'm, like, okay. I'm not going to Sarah Palmer's All right. house. Let, <laughs> no, there's a town. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet you guys about it we later. We can Airbnb it. Let's talk about Dougie or, and, you know, Dougie, Dougie essentially, but it's, you know, Dale, and Tony, his friend who we saw in the first few episodes. And he's feeling a lot of guilt, this Tony dude. What a wonderful episode for Tom Sizemore, too. Yeah. Like, I remember commenting earlier this season how much I enjoyed getting to see him play a character that seemed so contrary to the types of characters Tom Sizemore normally plays. And there were points at the season where I went, oh, maybe because he's definitely, he's into some shady stuff, he's tied in with mobsters, maybe we're going to see him inch back towards the regular Tom Sizemore persona. And then to see him go so aggressively in the other direction, I thought was really, really enjoyable. Yeah, it was funny, but it was very weird watching him it's so There was way. something really yeah. sad about, like genuinely sad. I did not expect at all at the beginning of the season that Tony Sinclair was going to generate any sympathy from me, let alone as much as I actually ended up feeling. It reminded me a lot of the scene with, um, oh my gosh, there's so many people in this show. Um, gosh, uh, the guy that, oh my gosh. What scene? What Gordon scene are you talking Cole. about? The guy whose head exploded. Oh, Hastings. Hastings. Uh, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Uh, yes. It reminded me a lot of how he broke down when he was in the in back jail. of the police car. 
too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were both just kind of like ridiculously hysterical. Yeah. And he, you know, in the first couple episodes, I'm not sure which ones they were exactly, but you go, oh, he's a bad guy. He's working for the bad guys and he has no shame. But either he has literally come to terms with what he's been doing and feels so much guilt, or he has just lost himself in his in his head, like Matthew Lillard's character did, I think. I did enjoy how much Dougie was just, like, dragging him. <laughs> As you would say, it was just so funny. Like, I don't know. I, part of me wanted to think, maybe these little words he is choosing to say are part of him kind of naturally reacting, maybe, like, easing back into himself. How about shout-out to that back rub? <laughs> and I wonder, too, he approaches Sinclair from the back, and we see this little bit, this bits of debris on his shoulders. Right. And I'm going, does he have super bad dandruff? Yeah, that's what What's I was happening thinking. Dirty, dust. And then I started thinking, it's one of those things where I start reading into, because it, I do feel like, even though not every piece of imagery is necessarily a clue, yeah. I feel like every piece of imagery is certainly intentional. Yeah. So I start yeah, to read into yeah, yeah, the yeah. look of the white dandruff on his shoulders of the black suit and I'm going okay it's it's a, it's a white powder it's a little bit like the poison that he put in Dougie's coffee but it also reminded me of in episode 8 when we're inside the atomic blast the the white debris flying around over the black screen that image from Eraserhead yeah. and again it's not not mm-hmm. that I'm thinking it's mm-hmm. anything of great significance not like the entire <laughs> mystery will be unlocked by Tony Sinclair's D- dandruff, dandruff. <laughs> right. but I just think there's a, a, an interesting through line of imagery there uh, let's see. Alexander Aral says they get drawn into something so d- deep and dark they couldn't handle it. I, I mean, to me, that dandruff-looking thing could... <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Here I go. Aliens? Yeah. It's alien eggs. It's alien eggs, you guys. They seeded his scalp. Do you guys want to know what? I cannot wait <laughs> until the aliens right. fucking show until up Until I'm spaceship. right, and they go, oh, that random crazy person? Yeah, we were just going with her brain because I mean I think that it is possibly him traveling through something you know there or electricity of some sort and it mm. having some debris on Stop looking at me like that, Michael, I swear. <laughs> well, I also wonder, too, like, dandruff is caused, right, by dry skin on the scalp, yeah. right? Well, Electricity we saw, is very drying But we skin. saw that girl with a super dry skin oh, rash. Armpit. I'm telling you, if we properly interpret Tony Sinclair's dandruff, we will unlock the <laughs> mysteries of Twin Peaks spanning 30-plus years. Dandruff well, and rashes. Someone in the chat just said something interesting. Mark Flanagan. Oh, yeah. Dougie poked his finger into Tony's back. He seemed to trigger him somehow. I like whoever said, I agree with all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alex. Well, that's the other thing I did think, though, during that scene, is it seemed like he was doing a bit of a massage, and I mm. almost, because we there was that moment where he did seem a little bit like it triggered him, and I wonder, like, did he hit a chakra point or something and release right. all of Sinclair's emotions? Is, it, is that a Dale move? Or some Dr. Jacoby stuff. I mean, honestly. I, this is going to sound weird, but I was thinking the guy might have had something in the lining in his jacket, and he was, like, feeling around for it. I still don't understand why he would have massaged him. It kind of was... Well, especially out of character for Dougie. But Dougie doesn't really even have a character anymore except a baby. <laughs> right? It's just young child. He went from pie to massage. I don't know. Let's talk about Shelly and Becky. We got them for a brief, brief scene, but I think it's still very important. Becky is very upset. Steven is still missing. I, I pause only to shout out two examples in that sentence of characters on Twin Peaks, female characters that I would argue are quite complex indeed. 
But moving on. But we, we just don't see a lot of them. I mean, I want to see more. I'm not saying they're not complex, but I would just like to see more of them. Of course. So we see them for a scene, and uh, Shelly tells Becky, because she's very upset, to come and she'll give her some cherry pie. Automatically, Becky goes, you want to know what? That sounds really good. That sounds really good. I'll be right there. So, again, there is something, there's something there with the cherry pie, with the coffee. I like that. It was like a nice little relief. Or you think think that it's just, she goes, okay, mom just wants to give me cherry pie. I'm going to go. And maybe I can get $20 out of her purse. All right. No, that wasn't her intention. No, I actually read that moment. I, I really liked the moment where Shelly at first says, I can't really do this tonight. I'm yeah. really busy at work, a lot of hungry customers. And then it has this moment where it's like, no, let me let me be a mom and make a loving gesture to my daughter. And I like that moment of connection. And yeah, of course, it's the most Twin Peaks thing in the world. That there's no, there's no yeah. greater symbol of fulfillment and love and connection in this life than coffee and cherry pie. It also just seemed kind of like Becky was like thinking, is there like anything crappy I could do like better than this? <laughs> She's like, well... <laughs> See, I don't know. I felt as though this episode there was a constant theme of cherry pie and coffee. Well, yeah, the cherry pie but, was definitely the star of this episode. And Dougie getting distracted and, by it as well. And yeah, and then uh, Tony almost drugging him with the coffee. Norma did, talking about how the pies are better yes. here, yes. but they don't make as much money. Absolutely. Pie, um, pie, pie. Well, Maybe let, we should be looking at three point one four or whatever. You know. Uh, oh. Uh, real quick, though, to circle back, talking about the coffee and the pie, that wonderful moment where Sinclair does break down and runs into the bathroom and tosses the poison coffee. Yes. One of the my favorite laugh moments all season long was this guy going, like, that bad? <laughs> that was Mike Malone, who is the prop master in the art department. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. And he worked s- on the original Twin Peaks as well, and they gave him a part. Yeah, that was very it's cool. Good. We got to see him from the back, though. Yeah. You got to see a little profile. <laughs> he looked over. Oh, and it's cool, too. And you've been telling us all season long, every so often, there'll be somebody who's a, a below-the-line crew member that mm-hmm. Lynch will just be like, you want to be on camera today? Here you go. Mm-hmm. Stand behind Red with this giant gun and smile. Um, but we have this scene where they go back to Battle and Bud, and Tony breaks down, is what we were referring to earlier, breaks down, <laughs> confesses the entire thing, and Battle and Bud, like, really, he controls the entire situation exceptionally well, and says, essentially, my, because you're confessing, my contempt for you is subsiding, and we can make this right if you will go testify against Duncan Todd. And, of course, now he, Duncan Todd is the guy who gave him the assignment to kill Dougie, which he did not comply with. Dougie Todd is apparently... Dougie Todd. Duncan Todd <laughs> is apparently running those couple of cops that Tony Sinclair knows. Mm-hmm. And he makes the reference to, like, well, Dougie told us about those officers. And Sinclair goes, like, they're even worse. So we need to maybe sock Tony Sinclair away somewhere safe. Oh, oh. great. Thank you. Thanks. We got more time on the show yeah. today. Electricity has come through. Our engineer is yes. giving us more Steve time, Steve is the absolute best. Thank you so much, Thanks. Steve. All right. So, well, now that we know we have a tiny bit more time, I feel like I was speeding through some things. Um, I like how Mullins was like, oh, I already know, you know, what the deal was with, um, what's Sizemore's name? Or Tony. Tony. With Tony. Yeah, by the drawings. That, that Dougie, Dougie even did. implicated himself. right. right. Let's talk about Bobby, Big Ed, Norma, and uh, Walter. Finally, finally we get to see Big Ed, which Mm -hmm. I've been looking forward to for weeks and weeks now. Do you guys remember when they were going into production, it was announced that we're definitely going back to Twin Peaks and we're making a new season? Everett McGill hadn't really been acting much at all 
in mm-hmm. about 20 some odd years and was so off the grid that David Lynch had to take to social media and basically put out a blast. He did one of those like, dear Twitter friends, can anyone help me find Everett McGill? I remember. And people were like, is he is he okay? Did something happen to him? But no, apparently Everett McGill was was basically retired and was just off the grid enough that nobody had his number, nobody, he wasn't on social media, <laughs> but I guess there was a, a fan movement that eventually helped put them back in touch. So it's great. It's, ah, I love Big Ed. Well, I do too. It seems like him and Norma have got some kind of romance going. I thought so I too. sensed a little jealousy. It felt very much like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like for all we know, like Shelly and Bobby, maybe at one point they got together and are together no longer, but it seems very much like they do still quietly carry the same torch for each other that they did. And that, oh man, that broke my heart a little bit. The did way she s- went to go get him dinner, though, it seemed like she does that for him every night. When right. in the same breath, like when Bobby's going to walk away, he says, like, no, uh, you know, come sit. It's no good eating alone, which, of course, makes the credits scene in this episode so much more sad. But he says, you know, Bobby asks him, like, you know, do you want me to go sit somewhere else so you guys can? And Ed's like, no, it's OK. Nothing going on here. And then Norma hands him the plate and barely a breath later, he goes, thanks, babe. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, babe. Oh, my heart. And yeah, did you see babe thing back? Oh, he was my watching. Heart. He was watching the meeting the whole time? Yes. Okay. I'm not exactly... Okay. I don't know if I agree with you guys on that one. I, I, I'm not sure what I think about their relationship, but there was something that was really... And I just copy and pasted it. was said a little bit ago, and I don't know if I agree with this either, but I think it's important to be said. So, Renee Michael uh, Knudsen said, The Lynch attitude towards women may seem objectifying, but it is done with an insight to our culture's attitude like Hitchcock knew when he did in Vertigo. A man objectifies a woman so much he destroys her and himself in the process, and that woman was called Madeline, Maddie, the guy's name, Ferguson. So... I think that is actually a very genius comment. So. Agreed. Yeah, there's got to be something to that. <laughs> yeah, like I said, there is kind of, I think, some bigger purpose to all of these underplayed characters. Yeah. But and that again, being, yeah. well, too, again, too, it's like I, I agree completely. It has a lot to do with the prism through which we culturally view a, a lot of women. I think, again, this is a very long conversation we could have, but it's the difference between depiction and endorsement. And Twin Peaks in particular, but broadly, much of David Lynch's work is about violence and abuse and surviving abuse and possibly not surviving abuse. So, again, I think even if we don't get a lot of screen time with each of these women characters, even if a lot of them are treated very, very badly, I definitely don't think it's as simple as David Lynch doesn't like women. No, absolutely not. I did just think it's uh, something, there's a way that he portrays them that is definitely, you know, unique. I also think that Norma's behavior has, we've seen her very little, but when we do, she's acting odd. Especially in this scene, I thought she was acting odd because she's kind of playing two dudes, Walter and Ed, and but she just always has a smile on her face, ready to ready to that's go. That's Norma to me. I mean, that's just Norma, right. just like kind of like dull, just like there she's not need dull. A she knows how to play the game. That's what I'm thinking. I think she knows a lot more than we all think I, that she I does. I never felt like Norma really went after anything, so it really surprised me when I found out she had like this chain. She's, of yeah, R&R's she's now franchised the double R's. R's. Mm-hmm. You well, know, she wouldn't go after Ed. She, you know, just took her sister in, let her do whatever. That's my point exactly. Let's just say, okay, 
you know what? I'm going to do it. Not saying Norma's an alien, but let's just say... Oh, my gosh. Shut up. Let's just say <laughs> that she was. Why would you want to bring a lot of attention to yourself? Don't. I'm not saying she's an Sound alien. Effect, Steve. Sound Listen, <laughs> I am just saying that wouldn't you want to keep under the radar, open a bunch of other franchises, other places, and in this specific place... <laughs> if you were an alien, wouldn't you want to have more than one restaurant? Yeah, no, but in this specific place where uh, the extraterrestrial electricity is very high, you want to keep it more on the down low. And that's why Maybe the pies that... don't taste as good in the yes. other locations because oh. aliens are following Maybe the recipe. Maybe they're losing money because their electricity bill is so high. Are you making fun of me so or are you like with me? I think it's half and half. Okay, because I mean that. That's kind of what I thought. Guys, what if I'm just joking? This is all a big joke. But it's, I but I, I do, I really like, whether or not there is any extraterrestrial influence, I do really like this idea that, that Norma might, actually. It makes complete sense that in 2017... Norma be an alien. Yes, that she would be, she would be a space <laughs> transplant. Um, no, that she would, she would consider it. I love you guys so much for helping me with this. <laughs> and I do, but I do think, and again, Norma, I think, is another incredibly complex and compelling character. It makes a lot of sense uh, for her to want to take, because it is for her about love the coffee the pie the serving the same customers at the same restaurant for 30 plus years it's all about love for her and i totally buy that she would want to take that and spread it to as many people as possible and that's why i really like that exchange between her and walter her business associate where he basically has to say to her right, right, you make it with love well love doesn't pay the bills love doesn't turn a profit and i was like oh that's actually a really compelling dilemma for norma to face now will it receive a whole bunch of screen time over the rest of this season Probably not, but who knows? For all we know, the next six, the remaining uh, five hours are all about Norma's restaurant business. What is in that cherry pie? I have to know. Um, sparkle? Sparkles. Oh! <laughs> and, you know, the alien drug sparkle. Mm. I, I just love people in the chat. Some people have just jumped on this. Hashtag <laughs> alien lives matter, and I oh love it. Oh, my god! What, what about the notebook lady? She said, what if Sismans... Zymans. Whatever. The coffee <laughs> pie the coffee place, place where Dougie works is one of Norma's franchise places. Or... Are they all called Double R? They said Walter made a point of saying that all of the other locations, like the franchise name, is now Norma's yeah, Double yeah, R. Right. No, Norma's Double R. And he R. was trying to suggest to her that, you know, maybe you should think about changing your flagship I, location. I really liked how she was like, well, you know, here for 50 years it's just been known as the Double R. Like, people are going to be like, oh, is this not the same thing anymore? <laughs> like, if they add Norma's But to I love, it. too, I love, too, this idea that she wanted to preserve this piece of the local culture in the same way that it's been. Because you're right, of course, if they slap her name on the front, it doesn't, people are going to know what it is. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't change what they're serving inside. But I love, I love that idea, and it feels very Twin Peaksy. The people that have yeah, been in the town yeah, forever like, want to keep the town as close yeah. to the way it's always been as they can. And is that like Walter trying to take a little hit on her, like... Walter's the guy that came in. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The stats. You Maybe know what I mean? Maybe for some like, of that, like girls like that money. kind of stuff. You know? Well, there was a little. There's a little smooch introduction mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. up top. Oh yeah, they they give some kisses. They definitely give some kisses. Where but. I was like, and I, my heart, my heart just ached for Ed, who is still wearing someone's wedding ring, which I think <laughs> is it. Because for all we know, he's still with Nadine, and maybe isn't. But also, like, I've been, I've been trying to track wedding rings. I noticed Ed. for the first time tonight. And it was probably there last week, and I missed it. But Shelly's still got a wedding ring around her neck. And I'm wondering, okay, is that presumably oh Bobby's ring that she's still mm-hmm. wearing? Well, speaking of... Leo's? Yikes. Oh, oh hell no! no. <laughs> it is not Leo's, no. please. 
Dear Lord, it's definitely not Leo's. Speaking of Nadine, though, let's talk about her and Dr. Jacoby. So she has her drape store, oh, and the shovel yes. is front and center. <laughs> yes. He comes, and I'm like, love connection. Just kidding. Kind I like to when she's like, can something. I call you Dr. Amp? Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, fan. So it, you said it? just kidding, but I think you're right. I think we're seeing some sparks fly yeah, a little bit between sure. Nadine and Jacoby, not just because she's a really big fan, but it also seems like he had a very specific memory of the last time he saw her, too. You are crawling on your hands and knees <laughs> looking for a potato. And of course, I think it's, of course, very telling that he remembers that moment from seven years ago so yeah, he clearly. Looking at her butt. Mm, but also, <laughs> in Secret History of Twin Peaks, they they plant the early seeds of a relationship. Give her, like, an eye exam or After something? the accident that cost Try Nadine to... her eye, she was apparently treated by Jacoby, and Jacoby, in the text yeah. in the book, in his, you know, his uh, patient records makes uh, multiple comments about how it's like, ah, you know, she's still, she's so beautiful, like even without the eye. So I, it's great. It's really <laughs> fun to see how they they pay that off now in this episode. Yeah, or at least begin to pay it Dr. off. Doctor Amp's above all that, you know. He's all about the soul and the spirit and digging yourself out of shit. Well, yeah, yeah. I loved it when she was like, <laughs> "I'm like digging myself out." Like that was so great. And I love how we did find out the drapes are on a computer. Yes. Mm-hmm. They just come and go. Love it. And she doesn't live there. She said that she leaves out the back door every night. Yep. I'm sorry, Nadine is my favorite. Like so aliens I'm like, what is do. Going on? You know, <laughs> they don't live here. They just go out the back door yeah. back to outer space. <laughs> if anyone's an alien, it's Nadine. Do you want to sure. know what? I, I'm just like glancing at the chat just because it's in the background, but people are not disagreeing. Everyone's like, wait, who's an alien? Is this an alien? <laughs> is this an alien? And so I think that people are finally catching on to the fact that oh, I a lot like of our characters part. might be taken over by aliens or the entire time they've been taken over by aliens. The notebook list. What was up, Sarah Palmer and the ever looping video on TV? Yes. And that took me like a minute to realize that it was a loop. Which and I'm like, too. I can't do this. Michael, 20 second issue. Michael loop. almost yeah. got up and he goes, I can't do this video over and over again. <laughs> it was too much. But that's the only glimpse of Sarah we see is her watching this old timey boxing match on a loop of about 20 ish seconds and then wandering presumably into the kitchen where the sound is coming from because you referenced last week that yeah, there's yeah, just something, something in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Right. There's always just something. It's like the microwave. That's, where, that's where the ship is. Oh, it's something. You yeah, notice that? Yes, and I mean, there was a scene last week. Who who came to her door? I'm trying to remember. Hawk. Last, yes, Hawk. Hawk came to her door and she was a totally different person, seemed like. And, you know, I think that this is kind of the inner workings. We're starting to see what's going on with Sarah Palmer. And... I'll get into this in predictions, but I think that she's being used as kind of um, an out, oh, an outlet. Get it? Hey. Hey. Okay. So, uh, oh, so I have so many things to say about Audrey. Oh, so many yeah. things. My First God. of all, yeah. I was so, so disappointed that she didn't go to the club and make because her Because she appearance. can't. I because just wanted her to have fun. Lex, do you think... I? I Okay, do you think that Audrey is actually not in the real world because we've really only seen her interact with Charlie? There are there are two theories that mm-hmm. seem to be running neck and neck right now uh, online, and I only had a little bit to look into these, and I, I know where I fall. If it's one or the other, could be none of the above. One theory, given what we saw in this episode, is what you're describing, that maybe Audrey didn't wake, wake up, up from her coma. She's still in the coma, and this is somehow her psyche either trying to work her through something mm-hmm. or... 
whatever, like trying to process things, trying to guide her, what have you. The other theory, and if I buy into one or the other, this is the one I lean towards, is that she suffered some type of psychotic break. And it's possible that Charlie is a therapist of some kind that is trying to work her through it. She definitely seemed to me like she's, she certainly lost herself. But that is her husband, for sure. Right? He says that he is, but it's entirely possible that he's working her through, supporting the fantasy, which is something we've actually seen on Twin Peaks when Nadine believed she was a high school student for such a long time. They were encouraged to essentially as long as it's not hurting anybody directly, support this fantasy and maybe she'll live it out and progress through it. So I'm wondering if maybe Charlie is some type of therapist and he's he's going with the story that he's her husband to help work her through something. As though Big Ed did with Nadine. I mean, they were married, actually, and maybe Audrey and Charlie were perhaps married at some point, and he, we're just seeing a different narrative of it. Your theory was really interesting to me. Which one? What you thought might be going on with Oh, that I thought she may have dementia. I mean, that's the sign that I Just because she's old? Well, I mean, not that old. I don't know. Well, like you were saying, we haven't seen Audrey with anyone else so that makes me feel like some kind of wacky is going on mm-hmm. yeah i think that okay so yeah the notebook guy or lady <laughs> says both of these audrey theories make sense not which i lean to not sure which i lean towards i'm not sure either i think it's probably a third theory that <laughs> it's we, entirely yeah. she's on the alien yet. ship right now oh um God. but the oh my God. oh bud jen <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, Bud Jens probably not... looks like Humpty Dumpty. I like that. I, I... I looked at him. I was like, he, that man is a good two feet tall. Oh, yeah. Listen, dear. I love that at this point in the series uh, of Twin Peaks, <laughs> we are just playing make believe because it has been. This is thirteen episodes, you guys, and it is still so insanely confusing. And I would vague. I would highly encourage everybody who's listening, everybody at this table, to go back over the next week and binge the entire season thus far. It's oh. actually really straightforward, all things considered. It's just week to week, you're right. You have no idea what the context for a lot of these moments are. But I think in hindsight, a lot of it makes a lot more sense, even though I can't tell you the why behind about half of it. But the pacing, that's the big thing that I noticed over the past week rewatching it. The pacing, if you can watch, if you've got the time, like three or four of these a night over a few nights, the pacing is actually far, far more satisfying well, than it feels week to week. I, I said this, I think, from the beginning, that I think this would have been amazing for just a binge series on, on Netflix, essentially. I think it would have been really awesome. It's still awesome every week. This isn't the week. Gilmore Girls. Come on now. I mean, what if it was? <laughs> But what also, the reason, the only reason I have big reservations about the Audrey still in a coma theory so far is that in Twin Peaks, like, yes, everything is super weird, and we don't necessarily know why every single weird thing is weird. Yeah. But when something otherworldly is definitely going on, they've always made it pretty explicit. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think, yes, yeah, something odd is going on here, and I think hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll get a little bit more enlightened as to what it actually is. I don't necessarily buy that she's in some other realm right now just because of how straight they're playing these scenes, despite how odd and confusing the content of the scenes are. I will say I've watched so many TV shows and movies where people are in comas or in another place, and then... After you figure out they're there, you go, oh, that was so easy. They were interacting with one person the entire time. Why didn't I realize that? So until I see Audrey interact with someone but Charlie, 
that's when I'll believe that she is not in a coma or in some yeah. But who would have Charlie been when she was younger if she was been in a coma this whole time? Is that it what, could just you know be a saying? voice in it, her head that's yeah. like manifesting. She just manifested Charlie. But the one thing that the one thing that keeps me away from that is because. And I feel like David Lynch was probably heard this too. It's supposedly in your dreams, you're never going to appear to yourself older than you are. Mm. So I would, th- like, but, you can't really fathom. Well, but yourself. Dale has the, the first dream episode in the original show. Dale sees himself 25 years older. Oh, that's right. That to me wasn't. That to me wasn't necessarily a dream. That was it's a he's vi- seeing and it could future. be right. Well, that's the thing too. Is like if ready if if it is Audrey in a coma, Charlie wouldn't necessarily have to have been somebody from her life. He could have been a, a manifestation of her psyche. He could be from another dimension, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the other Maybe thing, he's an alien. Wait, Lisa, there are these uh, fucking sorry. I like amazing comments, Joshua. I love how you said. I'll say it again. Fuck Walter. But, oh wait, look at the comments before that about Audrey and her coma and the rotary phone. Oh yeah, there's this rotary phone in that scene, so there's something to do with the time that is wacky I don't know, there's still a rotary phone in some houses I've been in the last month. Is it in your house, Michael Shirley? Because Michael Shirley has the most amazing (laughs) slash old school creepy house I've ever seen. Okay. The biggest thing, though, that like is hanging me up, though, is a few episodes ago we had that guy run into the double R and ask if anyone's seen Billy. Yes. So we've had an explicit real-world reference to a Billy being missing. Well, now, I'm leaning towards the dementia, then. Mm. I, I definitely think that she's unwell and she's working with a therapist. <laughs> or it's some, some other... Thi- it's probably aliens. I kind of like wish I could just put money on this, honestly. I, I wish I could go to Vegas, and if I had a million dollars, I would put a million dollars on it. And then I would end up with millions, because it's going to be all aliens. But are they going to be like green or gray aliens? No. Are they going to be... What kind of... Body hopper. Creamy, like? they're corny. Body, no, they're aliens. body are they hoppers. staticky? Are they... Yes, they're staticky. Okay. Of course they're staticky. The frequency's different. Yes. I said Let- a visual. Okay. okay, let's talk about James. Oh. oh, let's talk about James. Oh my God, Jessica Zor, you, oh. who you know, I don't know her exact name <laughs> in the series. Um, I, I I loved Gossip Girl. I, I doubt anyone watching ever. I watched, watched that. Gossip Girl. Yeah, I mean she's a she's a cool she's a beautiful girl, and they she was listed in the original cast, which brought some you know attention to that she was going to be in this. So she's finally in this, and James is performing. She's crying, and she's sitting. <laughs> In that same booth, it looks like, that all the other the hot sad, girls are sitting sad, in. sad, hot girls. The hot girl At the booth. end of every... And I'm like, oh, God, they're going to die. Like, they're pretty sure they just die every Another time. character, too, with numbers written on her arm, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. That's her, right? Mm-mm. That wasn't her? I feel like I saw Wait, that was arm. her? In the booth that James is singing like you, to. Right oh, yeah, here, oh, yeah, no, she had the... Yes, arm. she did have the numbers written on her, of the coordinates, and I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Was you it guys, just like... So, it was four digits. Was it like... It was like eight, six, It was seven... Three, four. I would have to look Eight, again. Six, seven, five, three, That's what it was. <laughs> All I have to say about this is that you would think after twenty-five years he could have learned another goddamn song. Yeah. I love this so um, much. Though. Are you kidding me? I I heard that and I literally grabbed Michael. I think by the hair and I go, Oh God! It, so, oh, like, was God. it a positive, negative? Um, was it, it was an uncomfortable? Po- no, are you kidding me? Nostalgia. When. It, Okay, season one when he plays that, and it's Donna and him it's and like Maddie. The dumbest, and but I'm it's like, so dumb. It's I good. get it. That that is when he's saying that. I go, oh, I get the appeal of James when he's saying that song. <laughs> 
And I love, I love it. And now it's happening again on a stage on a stage where we've previously seen the Chromatics, Aravar Simone, the Nine Inch Nails play. James Hurley gets to reprise "Just You and I." It looks like the same guitar. And the same amp, maybe? Yeah. But also, I love that much like when he first played it at the Hayward House in the original run... The there's two a, girls have to sing it with it. Well, the backup vocals, but more than that, the, the ethereal drum and bass tracks that seem to come out of absolutely nowhere are also present. But I spent the entire sequence... He plays the entire song. I spent the entire sequence aggressively trying to compose myself and then oscillating back and forth between that and just clutching myself laughing. I think Lex might have gotten just as excited as I did about this. Um, Lindsay M. said something super interesting in the chat. Do you see it, Lisa? Yeah, something about that girl crying at the roadhouse reminded me of Laura Palmer. Like, what if these are Laura Palmers all over again? It's like a, a, a circle. <laughs> it's that alien dandruff that has well, been sprinkled you know, over the what? whole town, making new Laura's. It's like you guys are my older brothers making fun of me all the time. I'm that shitty sister. And, and, and yeah, you're just the one going along with everything, and then you'll be like, "Hey Sam, I know you're right." Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm right. I, I, I don't probably. I think they're. No, I know what you no. meant to say. You need. You meant to say, "I know I'm right." <laughs> well, no, I don't know that I'm right, but I want to be right. Um, okay, so. That was a very interesting part. And then the end credits with Ed. Yeah. A little we're, soup to go. Where we seemed like it really bothered you, Lex. It's such a bummer because Ed, <laughs> it does seem like, and now maybe Ed goes home and he's still sharing a house with Nadine, but it definitely no. seems like it, it's, we don't know, it's no. possible, but it's, he's certainly not more happy in that relationship if he's still in it than he was 25 years ago. But it's that line he says to Bobby a little bit earlier where he says, it's no good eating alone. And our last scene is of Ed completely alone at night in the gas farm eating double R to go soup, uh, completely alone and just staring out the window. And he also, he burns something, a small piece of paper right. that looks folded up. And mm-hmm. I'm going, was that like a note he was going to give to Norma? And then Walter came in and he didn't. And now he's just sitting alone burning it. Poor right. Ed. Right. Oh. Well, on that note, guys, let's get into some predictions for next week. <laughs> Now, I like it when the lights go crazy like that. Who wants to start us off, kids? Take the log. Let's pass it around. You first. I think Tony's gonna die. Either he's gonna kill himself or someone's gonna kill him. Okay, I'm going last. <laughs> Um, okay, well, so Mr. C now has some coordinates. I would assume on some level that those coordinates are going to lead him to converge with everybody else, presumably in Twin Peaks. No idea how they're going to fold Dougie into all of this. We got so close with the Fuscos tonight mm-hmm. where they matched the fingerprints from Dougie Jones to both Mr. C and Special Agent Dale Cooper and somewhat understandably found the story to be so completely preposterous on its face that they just threw it in the trash. We heard somebody making quite a commotion in the office outside of the room where they were congregating. I'm wondering if maybe they pulled in the drug girl from across the street from the Jones house. Oh, yes. What? One, one, nine. This could end up being absolutely nothing, but all of the ruckus we heard from what I assume was the reception area of the office okay. uh, might have been, it was a woman's voice. Yeah. It sounded completely frantic. It's possible that we huh. may see that character be pulled in to ask about, like, who did you see blowing the car up? Did you see anybody? Isn't that kind of late? Or is it? Or are we in slow? We're still like day one. And the, the whole forever, thing, it really does seem like so far this is all taking place over a few days. So That's yeah. nuts. Also, 
what's the over under on uh, watching the two Coopers battle to the death in an arm wrestling match? I and said then at that. the very we end, we talked about that. I literally said that, Lex, as we were watching. Then at the very end. Wally Brando rides in with a flaming sword, <laughs> tosses it to Dougie, and Dougie on reflex decapitates Mr. C. I don't know if they can't be together. Like, if those two coops can be together. Why? It happens in a million or shows. I would love to... No. Okay. If they have Give to the kill log. each other. Uh, okay. Lex, did you mention that photo you saw online? Did you mention that last week Which... about the Laura and Dale together at their house. There, yes, there's a set photo, but I don't want to get into something that I think oh, is yeah, explicitly yeah. spoilerish. Oh, but wow. there's a there's it's a set there. photo that leaked real early in production that would seem to indicate certainly before the finale, before the final moments of the finale, we're going to get some moments that I think everybody's been waiting for all season. Thank God. All I right. just hope they mean what they look like. I think <laughs> right. that Sunny Jim has a very, very big significance. <laughs> Guys why are you laughing? The comments. I'm sorry. The chat. You guys are funny. More tonight. aliens and more dandruff yes. next week. Okay. Also, there was a very uh, good comment. Let's see. Uh, Anne-Marie McDonald said, Becky has Lynch victim written all over her. I've said that. I completely, totally. completely agree. Ezekiel um, Kakis. I, I butchered that. Sorry. Diane is Mike. Interesting. Interesting theory. And um, Rianne Martin said, I predict more aliens and more dandruff next week. (laughs) So on that note, guys, thank you so much. Oh, I thought you You know what I think? I'm sorry. This is your log. I know. This is your log. I think we're going to see Norma and Big Ed get back together. I hope so. I think. Mm. There's like no doubt. I'm still pulling for those kids. Oh, wow. Now you can end the show. (laughs) Actually, no. Okay. On that (laughs) note, thank you guys again for tuning in. And you know what? We love all your live viewership and you all being here and commenting with us, coming up with theories. And for those of you that believe in aliens, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Sam Davidson. You can find me, SamD43, Twitter and Instagram. Where can everyone find you guys on social media? Hey, you can find me everywhere at Lisa Mason Lee. And you can check out my website, LisaLeeTV.com. You can find me at Michael X Shirley on Twitter and Instagram and check out my blog on ilovemichaelshirley.com. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, and if you follow a lot of shows here at AfterBuzz, you may also know my friend and co-host Tari J. Miller. He and I have a new podcast called Missing Out, where we turn each other on to pieces of popular culture, movies, TV, books, music, that the other person missed. And we essentially hold our hands through this uh, initial experience, and we share uh, cultural backstories and, and stuff. It's great. We like it. This week, we're doing a show on Tom Waits' album, Rain Dogs, which is a personal favorite of mine. Tari had never heard it. So come join us. We drop episodes every Tuesday, Missing Out, uh, on iTunes. And of course, don't forget to follow AfterBuzz TV at AfterBuzz TV on all social media platforms. Rate, review, subscribe. We uh, love hearing the good feedback. So thanks for tuning in. Be nice, be kind, and have a great week till you see you next time. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 